0: Welcome to the Founder to Mentor podcast. My name is Mike Fada. I'm an entrepreneur with multiple nine-figure exits and a passion for health and mentorship. Join me on a journey where I connect with world-class founder mentors to inspire your personal and professional growth. Let's jump into it. I'm excited to have this conversation with Matt Von Teichman, founder of Purposeful Snacking, as well as former CEO of uh, Greenspace Brands. Uh, I've known Matt for about 10 years and um 20 20? 20 20 years 20 years and he's definitely had some ups and downs uh, as an entrepreneur and, and I'm I'm just really uh happy that uh, that he's open to sharing some of that journey because I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of uh, founders uh too many founders only share their positives uh and and we're going to get into some of the challenges or some of the failures um but welcome to uh founder and mentor Matt
1: Thank you, Mike. Yeah, thrilled to uh, thrilled to be on, and and yeah, I think we first got to know each other at, at a trade show in Toronto 20 years ago when you were you were hawking hemp hearts and I was hawking organic pizzas, as I recall, and uh, met you for the first time there, and maybe found uh, found a little social time after the show. I think that was the first time. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Why I had 10.
0: I was thinking 15 years this morning, but uh, uh, yeah, 20 years. Time flies. Yeah, can you uh, do you want to can you start with uh, give us an intro on on you and on uh, on Purposeful? Yeah,
1: so so I've been in in this industry in the natural food industry for twenty two years ish. Been a serial entrepreneur. I've started uh, fourteen companies in my life, and uh, many of them in in natural foods, but a few in technology. and And um, the most recent one is a really great brand called Purposeful and uh, purposeful snacking. And, and effectively it started a little differently than typical companies would start where it, it started with a mission, not with the product. So I wanted a, um, a snacking company or I wanted a business that could give meaningful amounts of money back to kids in underprivileged circumstance. And uh, it's something I'm very involved with personally anyway. Um, and, and I wanted to try to figure out how to divert some of those dollars Away from just the profits of CPG companies into something more meaningful, and and so started with mission and ended up being a popcorn company or or a snacking company. We're just in Canada now. We launched in the U.S. in, in uh, early in 2023, um, but it's really created around this goal of um, of trying to generate 50 million dollars for for kids in underprivileged communities over the next five years.
0: Yeah, that's uh, well, and, and we'll unpack that the current business a little bit more. But I do want to back up because, uh, yeah, you're you're a serial entrepreneur. Have you always thought about entrepreneurship, like since you were younger, or like just you know li- li- a little bit on your kind of what what got you into entrepreneurship in the first place?
1: Yeah, it's it's the only thing I've ever known. I've I've never I've never worked at a company that I haven't uh, owned you know a meaningful part of. I started in university so I had a uh, I was at a university outside of Toronto called Western and went there and and had an opportunity where a um a space opened up for a bar and uh, and they basically hung, hung their shingle out saying you know need need an operator to start a bar and I was in second year university and thought that would be a great idea I'd had a window cleaning company already as a as a sort of a younger kid and always did like weird entrepreneurial stuff, you know, like the lemonade stands of the world. And um and thought this would be a big leap and so in my second year I I got two buddies together and we we started we I went and talked to the landlord and said we can open a bar and and I had a, a little bit of money together and outfitted the bar and got it all running up and running and then basically went to the campuses, it, it was actually in Kitchener. So I went to the campuses of two universities and hired, you know, hired uh, the the quarterback and the cheerleader and, you know, whatever, and got some really fun people in, uh, created a great atmosphere and 18 months later, sold it to uh, to another guy who owned a bar that had burned down just down the road. And that was my first real big experience. And, and I was hooked I was never going to never going to do anything, but do things myself from then on.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I want to I want to get into uh, to green space uh, brands because you know and, and it's I guess it's public. Well, we'll talk about you know ipping, it but <laughs> it's public information of you know the challenges that the business uh, face. But like the uh, walk me through the starting, I guess of of green space and and uh, uh, and how you got into that business and and because I, I do want to talk through some of the other kind of growth and challenges it faced but like walk us through this the founding of green space brands
1: yeah so so Greenspace started as a company called life choices natural foods so it that uh, that was my first brand and uh, and it started off it had a whole bunch of different iterations it started off as a frozen food company so we were like lean cuisine but organic and then um, in bowls and then uh, we launched some mini pizzas all frozen so i was really working in the better for you frozen category. But it was at a time, you know, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, when um, natural and organic was just developing, and I didn't know a lot about it myself. I knew I wanted to get into food and beverage, um, but I didn't know how I would get in. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a, 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 you know, great background in the organic or natural movement. Subsequently, I've learned a lot about it. Now I, you know, I'm a complete um, convert. But at the time I wasn't, I was just interested in, in sort of what's an interesting business and thought that that movement, the natural food movement would be interesting to get involved with. So I launched these frozen brand or this brand with frozen products and really had a lot of um, really a lot of churn of product where I'd, I'd launch uh, uh, you know launch products in, in the larger supermarkets here in Canada and some of them would do well for a while. Um, And most of them would fizzle over time, but I kept on launching and kept on trying to find something that would really stick. And then I launched Canada's first kind of clean chicken nugget, you know, a a, a multigrain coated non fried chicken nugget. And that was a big hit. And I basically closed everything else down and and focused on clean meat, organic and clean meat, value added meat products. And and that was kind of the first big move where we went from kind of a million dollar company to a five million dollar company. Um, in Canada I tried to launch it in the U.S a bunch of times and got absolutely smoked on many occasions four different occasions on four different types of products including pierogies mini pizzas frozen dinners I tried to launch them all in the US and got handed my ass handed to me and and um, eventually um, sort of consolidated my Canadian business and uh, launched some new brands and that became green space so I, I launched a Uh, a grass-fed dairy company I launched a um, a pet food an organic pet food company all different brand under different brands and took that group of companies public to become green space brands in 2015 and then started acquiring companies so raised a bunch of money started acquiring businesses and uh, and over sort of I guess while I was operating at five and a half years um, we we grew from I guess when we went public, we were maybe 7 million and grew to 100 million in sales in that time and um, or just under 100 million in sales and um, never were able to really turn the corner on profitability. Had a few profitable quarters, but nothing substantial. Um, and then, uh, and you know, bought a bunch of companies, grew them really quickly, had some great experience and, and great success. But um, but then the market kind of turned and, and we never got profitable and and it ended up being a bit of a a difficult scenario, which I left uh, two years ago in twenty, uh, yeah, twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, there's a whole bunch there that uh, that I want unpack. Uh, but I, let's guess uh, because you mentioned it, and I know you and I had have, have had conversations. I'm pretty open about this. Just the thought of, you know, building density in brand before you kind of travel too far away from home. With a, with a big one being you know far away from home you know for for canadians is going into the us market maybe the us coming into canada as well but you know the experience of and you, you mentioned it you know getting your ass handed to you kind of four times you know just the 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 learnings the challenges of kind of selling internationally like that and in a different market uh when you have you know when you have your 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 own market and your business to to kind of grow can you, can you talk to us about that
1: yeah. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's really common. I think it happens with a lot of entrepreneurs You know, most entrepreneurs are really driven people and and you want to create a big company. And in my case, I wanted to create a big company, but I was, I couldn't figure out how to do it in Canada. I, I, I could get a modest amount of scale in Canada, but this is, you know, at the time it was 32 or 33 million people. It was, it was hard to build a big company. And, and so instead of just trying to consolidate and, and get a, a product mix that really worked in this market that became profitable and had great growth, I um I thought I'd I'd test the U.S. market, you know the 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 wonderful shiny object of 350 million people, and I thought you know if I can get just that fraction of the of that market, it's going to be super successful. I'm going to be like you know the talk of the town. It's going to be amazing, and uh, you know as we've talked about in the past, it just often doesn't work that way. You really have to get home base working properly, and the model has to be quite clear, and then expand the model. And we always think uh, as entrepreneurs that that, you know, there's no time to wait, we got to go now, someone's going to copy it, someone's going to do something different. The reality of that, in, in my experience, is that that's not the case. And, you know, people might get into your market, it's, po- it's certainly possible. But if you go too early, like I've done on many occasions, it can be quite disastrous. And you can you can have, uh, you know, a, a real hemorrhage of, of the available capital that you have, which can put your, your home business at risk as well. And so that, you know, I think that happens a lot. It certainly happened to me in, in a bunch of cases.
0: Yeah, well, I guess that's the, the great example of like uh, you know going going way too wide before you're going deep, right? Um, just yeah, it, it gets infinitely more challenging to uh, to to actually get scale and gets and, and be successful from a financing side. I'd love to kind of talk through uh, because you know you went on that chase too. I think that uh, the, that many entrepreneurs maybe find themselves in whether they whether they realize it or not that they're into it that they're growing. A brand or they're growing a business. It's growing really rapidly, so that part's good. Um, but you know, the, the the challenges of maybe margin or the challenges of profitability. Um, Require constant, you know, feed in of 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 capital, then of, of investment, and and even if you ha- if you're doing something great, um, and you and you run into a you know a liquidity challenge or you can't raise capital, you it really hurts the business, and you you kind of went through that with some added pressures mm-hmm. of being a public uh, publicly traded company, but I would love yeah. to I'd love for you to share more kind of on the uh, on the kind of capitalization and and, uh, and investment and kind of how how that even Took a, a company that was doing all these great things and, and, uh, and, and presented more challenges. Nearly
1: crushed us. One thing I've learned over the years and most, most acutely in my last company in Greenspace was the importance of a, of a positive cash conversion cycle. And it's not something that that a lot of entrepreneurs pay attention to. We we pay attention to growth, um, you know, revenue growth mostly. May you certainly pay attention to gross margins, but not often do you pay attention to net margins because you're more, more worried about growth. And almost never do you pay attention to the cash conversion cycle. And that's what what almost killed us at, at Greenspace was that you know we'd gone from seven million to a hundred million over five years, and decent margins, you know okay, gross margins, not not you know record setting, but certainly okay gross margins. but it ate our cash conversion cycle, ate all of our cash. And so you know we were putting out, we were buying product. Um, up front and not getting paid for you know ninety days, hundred days, whatever it might be, and um, and it was crushing. When I brought in a really, I brought in a much stronger CFO at some point, and he opened the books, you know, went through everything, and within probably a week came to me and said, "We've got a real problem. Like we have to stop growing, or we need to change all of the sort of the way we do business." And so, um, you know, we. It, at Greenspace, we ended up raising a ton of money. um so it kind of covered up that cash conversion cycle problem. but it it certainly is a good lesson for for it was a good lesson for me. I now live that lesson every day of of really being focused not as much on on growth. Growth is important, but much more on on the cash conversion cycle and and the bottom line um because because you can get into these situations where the tax run dry. And you know, I was running a public company. When we went public, there was more money than we can shake a stick at. You know, we we raised fifty million dollars in the first three years of the company, and and I, I had I wanted to, I could have raised a hundred million more. There was just endless money. But then at some point, the market kind of turned, and we weren't showing any profitability, and some of their investors soured, and and uh, and you know, it, and it happens on a big scale. Like you know, I guess I'd call us a big scale, but there's way bigger, and it happens a lot smaller where um, where your kind of your shareholders turn a little bit and, and the tap runs dry and you're still not profitable and you're stuck. And when you're in a public situation, that becomes really acute because then you get the, you know, the vultures coming in to short your stock and, and drive your, you know, drive the value of your company down so that they can pick it up in a financing down the road that they know you need because you're still not profitable. And it becomes this endless cycle. And it was, uh, you know, I got caught in it with Green Space as a public company on a few occasions, but I got caught in it you know, many times as a private company before we went public. And I. it's one of those things that that uh, entrepreneurs, I think, really have to pay attention to is what is the cash in the bank and what's your cash conversion cycle and, and what are your net margins, not your gross margins?
0: Yeah, I love that. I learned that the cash conversion cycle way later in business just because, you know, maybe I didn't have any business school and so maybe that that was a part of it. But realizing like what we had created because at Mantable Harvest, we had a, a you know our we had a very short and positive cash conversion cycle because we our hemp seed that we bought from our farmers was on their balance sheet until we brought it into the facility we would make products within 7 or 10 days and then we'd sell those products and sometimes even collect on them with our good customers that we paid within 10 days before we ever had to pay the bill for the, for the hemp seed. Um, Brilliant. And, and some of our other things. And, and so, you know, the more, the more that we sold, the more cash we created instead of, uh, and being challenged. But I, I also know some friends, companies that co is one thing. And I think that's what you kind of, you were doing, but even if you have, if you're bringing in product from like overseas or something, you know, some of our friends that are doing acai or yerba mate or, or, or goji berries, some things that come from, uh, from, you know, far away and you have to commit to like six months of inventory, 12 months of inventory to actually grow. Um, you just need that much more working capital. And so I think, I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good first part of the share. Uh, I appreciate that we're in a down market right now, but that all goes through cycles. Um, and there's people that are professionals at helping entrepreneurs go public or, or raise significant capital. And I think, you know, even in our industry, probably 99% of the time, it's not the right move if there's other, if there's other options for the business to, to, to fund their kind of growth. Mm -hmm. I, yeah I don't, think, I don't think people realize how much of a distraction that being a public company when you're when you're a small company small kind of anything under you know 100 million dollars small but you know a lot of these companies are maybe just 5 million bucks or something and and they're trying to you know go public and yeah I guess how much of a struggle was that part of it uh, in uh, in green spaces dilemma
1: well, you know, because it, it's interesting, because it, it's, the, again, that shiny object where most of us don't have experience in the public market. So someone comes to you and you're running a pretty interesting business in a, in a great market. And someone, you know, wearing a nice suit comes in and says, you know, I, I'm going to make you billions, like, you know, hundreds of millions, this is a perfect opportunity to go public. And you're, you know, you're sitting there like, great, this is exactly what I wanted. I, you know, I'm so keen to make my 100 millions. And, and and, you know, make a difference or whatever you know the important things are to you. and 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 you get these really slick people who who have done it many times before, and they point to the case studies of how they've done it. And bring you public is the right thing to do because the market will love it. And you know, it, it looks amazing. and and often it is amazing for a year or two. Um, but the truth of the matter is that it the bankers aren't your friends. you know the bankers make money on you and and they are rewarded for a transaction and not for success in a transaction or you know success after the transaction. And so you're not aligned and and so they're promising you the world and you want to believe that the world is going to get delivered. But the truth of the matter is they only care about you until that you know that business is public because they get their fees and they get their warrants and they have a, a great system. And for some companies, it's magic, you know, that some companies have, have done extremely well in that situation. But I think in truth, if you're a small company, call it hundred million in the US under 500 million, you know, you're gonna get orphaned almost for sure. Unless you just are growing like a weed, you're a true, a true unicorn, you're growing like mad and you have a healthy bottom line, you're gonna get orphaned. But you know, the, the great learning there is if you need the market, in terms of raising capital and, and, and it is a nice way to raise capital. You know, we raised a lot of money at green space. It's a, you know, it's just a it it wasn't that hard. It was a lot of, lot of um, availability for capital, but you have to be ready for that market to turn off and you have to be profitable so that you never need to go back to them again. And if you are not profitable and you are in your balance sheet is running dry, um, and and the market sees it, the the vultures see it, you're screwed. And we're seeing it now with a bunch of natural food companies that are public um, that are they're just getting killed. and it's exactly what happened to green space.
0: Yeah, well, that's a great uh, it's a great share for anyone uh, anyone thinking like that. It, it shift gears a little bit because you know you I, I talk about it all the time, but like for for new entrepreneurs, younger entrepreneurs, the importance of building community um, and real relationships. You know, I say make friends first, do business second. But like building community and like caring about the community and, uh, and you know, I, we've known each other a long time. We know a bunch of the same similar people in the industry, and you're you're well known and well respected in the in the in the industry. Talk about what building community. Uh, over over a long period of time that you've been doing has really kind of helped now as you you know trying again on a new entrepreneurship venture and and utilizing that community to to i guess stand up the business uh quicker or or really get get the startup going
1: yeah i mean it's one of the things i and we mike and I, you and i have talked about this for for a long time i think community is the most important thing to come out of one of the most important things to come out of every you know every startup is it's not just your community but the communities you serve the you know the your customers the retailers the consumers plus hopefully as in the case of purposeful where you're there's a community of people you help beyond that those borders but the community i think you're you're talking about mostly is is just these um you know the, the people that you you interact with whether they be you know retailers or distributors or or um you know maybe cost- maybe consumers themselves but just the the ecosystem of in our case the natural food world if you spread your tentacles really deep and you, and you're a good person and you're you you try to help people and like you do all the time you you offer your time to people who need the help i try to be the same thing and that just comes back and that, you know, that, that community, uh, then your community then grows. And so when you're, when you're trying to do something like, like, you know, I'm currently trying to do, there's a ton of people who want to help because you've helped them. And uh, you know, in my case, uh, you know, what I've done and you know, you know, this um, is I I've put in valuable members of my community into the shareholding structure of my companies and, uh, and and tried to do it in, in effect to, uh, to make sure that that um, no strings attached, you own equity. I just would love your your mind from time to time. And that's sort of part of using your community, you know, to its fullest. And then you have hopefully alignment on, on uh, you know, the future direction of the business, but most importantly, you have people who, um, you know, who know your story, know you personally, and can put those two together to help you build a business.
0: Yeah. That's a great share. Yeah, and I, I mean, for a lot of people, that's not easy. Uh, even for myself, it wasn't easy. Um, I don't know if it's easy for anyone. Maybe maybe a little more people are a little more extroverted. But like you, you know, you're you're out there, right? And you've been out there for a long time at the trade shows, at the at the uh, event, whether it's a golf event or 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 it's a mingler event or going out to dinners, right? Like you have to get out there and get out there with your customers, with peers in the uh, in the industry, and make real relationships, right?
1: Yeah, and I think you know, we see each other at all the trade shows and, you know, you've been in the industry a long time. So have I, and I remember there was a guy who was, who, he was pitching me on investing in his company and and I really liked his company. And I said, well, well, let's meet the next <clears throat> trade show. I was pretty close to making an investment. And he's like, Oh no, I don't go to the trade shows. I have, I have people that go to the trade shows. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, how do you get out to the market? You go visit your, the retailers. Like, how do you know your customers? And he goes, no, no that's uh, like, I'm, I'm past that. I, other people do it. I'm like, okay, great. I'm not investing perfect no, no, no way because you have to you have to have a community you have to know the people you're serving and you and and not just on a business level you have to know them personally you have to see what the real challenges are and 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 make sure you're trying to solve a challenge and uh you know that for me is as an investor that's the biggest red flag is that you know if you don't if you don't go visit your customers and you aren't going to trade shows and you're not rolling up your sleeves even if you've got a pretty well-established company, then I think you're probably leaving a lot on the table. And you know, there's, there's guys in the industry, guys and girls in the industry who built you know massive companies, and they're on that trade show floor every morning, and uh, you know, visiting their clients and saying hi and, and being social. And and um, you know, I think that's a real, for me at least, it's been a real, um, uh, it's been a real help in my my business life. But it's also been a real help in my personal life. I've got this. Wonderful group of friends from the natural and organic food industry that that I would call in any situation a personal challenge or a business challenge, and I know they're there for me, and so I I yeah I wouldn't trade that for the world. Yeah,
0: and you brought up another thing there, which is, and it's not only about the community. There's a scrappiness, you know, as it relates to the trade show or showing up there first and actually getting out there, like, and and I think entrepreneurship. Really is about scrappiness. No matter what size your company is, especially nowadays, we we never have enough resources. You got to be you got to be scrappy. I share the story that you know I was setting up our trade show booth with our team when we were a thirty million dollar brand. You know, and and it, and it could have been like well below me, but I just don't think like that. I, I think you need to get out there and you kind of c- continue to get out there. Do you have a story to share on like the the scrappiest uh, scrappiest thing you've done in, uh, in 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 building either purposeful or 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 one of the brands?
1: God, I got honestly, I probably have millions because I am, I'm that guy. Like I, when, when, when we were doing, you know, 24 million a month, a quarter, excuse me, at, at Green Space, we were, we were a big, pretty big company, $100 million company. And we had the trade show booths. I was, I was setting up those trade show booths. And at that point, we had big pavilions in the middle of the show kind of thing. I was there every single time, you know, helping out. I'm pretty, I'm not very handy. So the drill isn't great in my hand, but I certainly can. You know, I'm a grunt and they can people can tell me what to do. And I would do that at almost every show. You know, I, I, I'm I a huge believer in in, in sort of uh, doing that as often as you can. And I do that now. I have a, a mushroom company where we grow mushrooms and I'm on the floor packing mushrooms with people because you find out a lot about your own company if you're in the trenches and you're and, and you're a good guy and you're listening and you're there to help. Um, you find out so much about your company, the informal chat is maybe is maybe more important than the annual review kind of thing of of just what what people are thinking about your company whether they like your direction you know whether they think you've missed a you know an off ramp or an on ramp and you know those sorts of things only come when you know people won't offer that even in a in a formal review structure unless they believe you and like you and think you know you're you're an honorable trustworthy person and and the only way to establish that is to work alongside them uh, where, wherever you can, and, and so I, I still do it. I, you know, I just came back from that the mushroom company, and then we were packing yesterday, and it's it's great. I, I would really recommend you know getting in the trenches. There was a show about it of some CEOs that had to get in. Do
0: you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, hey, I I I'm a big believer, especially if you're in, uh, yeah, and you're in manufacturing, but you know all aspects of the business, right? How do you really understand? operations finance sales and marketing if you're not there and doing it you know and, and talking one, to people one one of our good uh, friends and mentor uh you know now passed but john anthony you know was the everything happens in a store that's why yeah. i go out there, and i i love doing you know doing store tours uh, you know and it can go and hit 20 30 stores over over yeah. a weekend and really see what's going on and talk to the people and you get right to the answer you know it's oh, yeah you know,
1: even yeah. if you're like we would had to with john we, we were going to a golf game and he's like just we're a little early let's just stop in this store i'm like well i wouldn't mind going to the range and no no let's stop in the store and he's going and asking about you know, whatever it was a 10-minute stop but you know he was the king of going to the stores and i he's a great example of a guy who who um you know just believed in a the social network he knew everybody and everyone like john but also of of just getting in there and, and talking about stuff and you know just a quick question to the merchandiser on the on the floor or the st- stalker on the floor can can really give you a ton of insight and and he was a he was a master of that
0: yeah so you know if you're a brand owner and you're listening um uh, go and spend time in the store spend more time in the store keep spending time and, in the store
1: yeah and with just customers like you know you asked about different examples with purple spool right now tiff was just in Toronto so that our film festival and we were handing we were kind of a, a very small sponsor and we were handing out you know bags of of popcorn out in front of um, the theaters and um you know I, I did it almost every day, and you get a ton of insight—just immediate insight on people try it, or they like the bag, or they don't like the bag, or they get the message, or they don't get the message, or they buy your competitor, and why you're different in a snapshot. And you know those sorts of interactions are are really valuable. Yeah, huge.
0: Yeah, I think we've done a fair share. Of like, the yeah, the consumer show tour, to, uh, yeah. you know, same, same or is same getting out there and doing consumer shows and, and yeah. demos and the festivals, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What does mentorship mean to you? And like, well, can you talk about kind of your, you know, if you had any mentors and kind of just overall, I'd, lo- I'd love your thoughts on mentorship.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of mentors. I've, I've I've been part of EO, which you know, and YPO, which you know really well. And part of that, uh, for a while, EO had um, had a, a whole mentor program. And, um, and I had uh, a wonderful guy, um, Dave Campbell, I believe. No, Dave. I can't remember Dave's last name anymore, but he he used to be the CEO of Campbell's. He was my mentor for five years when I was just getting going. I'm this tiny little company, uh, you know, hawking hawking pierogies and whatever at the time, and and he was running a monster international CPG company, and he was a mentor and uh, an unbelievable an unbelievable resource uh, to me personally and professionally, and and for me, mentorship I think is more than just business it's 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 more than just here's what I would do because because you know often mentors are, are running much bigger or have run much bigger companies and and often they haven't endured the challenges you've you've endured as an entrepreneur or, you know a startup entrepreneur but they've always gone through sort of the the pain whether it be personal pain of, of working too hard and the strain that you might have on your with your spouse or relationships with your children or whatever it might be they have that experience. They may not remember hanging, handing out popcorn in front of Tiff because that wasn't their world, but they certainly remember what that imp- impact was like of, of not being home for two weeks straight and what your, you know, how your children reacted. So I think mentorship is, is so much more than just helping a, bu- a business owner or entrepreneur with their business. It's a, it's a holistic thing. And we've talked in the past, how, how. Important mentorship is, but you also, you know, both to have mentors and be a mentor. But you have to be careful. You can't take too many um, mentees, nor should mentor. You know, it's got to be. You know, you've got to have time to dedicate to it properly because you can get into these situations where you don't talk for six months, and that's totally fine. But then you are talking every day for for you know two months when certain problems exist. So so it's a. I couldn't recommend it more. I think it's critical to people's success advisor groups mentors whatever it might be to really help you avoid the pitfalls because you know i've got i've had so many pitfalls and, and i've avoided so many because mentors have helped steer me but i've still fallen into a lot of holes and um and i think if uh you know if you have a, a you know men, people who i i mentor right now i really really don't want them to fall into the holes i've fallen into and i've got the experience so i can impart it
0: yeah, that was good. I, I uh yeah, I think it's important. I think, you know, I talk about it as well. Like you, you need to you need to be ready to learn is the uh and 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 learn by some example. Um and then you're ready probably for mentors to be able to share some of their scars they have and what they've learned and and, but it's really about the entrepreneurship being in a in a position that they're ready to learn um, so they got to have that community uh, of like people around them that can offer that but I I like the point of it's overall because we're not just you know entrepreneurship is a lifestyle Uh, it includes your family your friends your personal health you know everything's got to all flow together uh, and uh, and someone that's kind of experienced all of that uh, uh, it can be really helpful and Yeah, I'm a big believer, too, and I didn't know about it. And maybe a lot of entrepreneurs still don't know the resources like, you know, uh, entrepreneurs organization, EO, or like um, tech. Or YPO, or you know right. these different executive groups that you can do peer-to-peer um, mentorship, really, where you know someone's going through it at the same time as you, or maybe one year ahead of you, or something. Not not so much like a uh, uh, people think about a mentor that you need the uh, you need the wizard in the corner of the room that's that's like 50 right. years older and has done it all before. It's not necessarily always like that, right? Some
1: no no in those forum groups that EO and YPO and I think TechDude do, does as well. They're invaluable. I've been a part of those for well, for almost well, 15 years, at least, and yeah, they're It's invaluable to have people who who really want you to succeed and 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 want to be beside you. Know, success, business, success, personally, whatever it might be, um, and and can help steward you. That you know that that network of people, whether they be called mentors or advisors or just friends, is completely invaluable.
0: Yeah. Thanks. What are some brands that uh, that you watch and 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 kind of why, what are, you, what are you getting
1: from them? Well, I mean, one of your brands, Midday Squares, I watch, uh, and mainly because it's, um, you know, I, I'm super interested in how they've been able to kind of create profile through social channels and something I'm not good at, have not been good at, but I need to start dedicating, you're, you're excellent at it with LinkedIn and whatnot, but they're great at it. and And it almost feels like they're building their business that way. I'm used to building consumer products through you know, in-store marketing and PR and um, you know those sorts of things, right? end caps and displays. And they're I'm sure they're doing all of that, but they're also doing it through this kind of grassroots organic uh, kind of creation of a community through social media. So I'm watching that closely. I, I don't know if I can emulate it. I don't feel like I'm you know maybe I don't have the energy of, of that one guy. I definitely don't have the energy of Jake, right? Yeah. yeah but i love and i love watching what you're doing with linkedin it's so, so i'm watching that for sure you know i'm watching flow water um you know I, I i was an investor early in that and and you know they went public and and so they're you know they're having the, the public challenges i watch that and, and then and then you know i watch a lot of the the bigger companies cliff bars of the world and to see how they continue to grow how do you grow when you're already you know let's call them a billion dollars i don't know what they are but you're already massive how do you keep growing like how do you keep innovating and and you know when you're building off such a big base and you're innovating is it meaningful and how do you make it meaningful and so kettle chips cliff bar guys like that i'm 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 super interested in and i'm generally interested in the grass fed market of both meat and dairy and and um and so I, I, you know, I'm watching the the dairy companies in the U.S. and Rolling Meadow here in Canada and different ones like that, and and seeing how they're evolving. Because I'm a big believer in good fats, and and um, and I, I don't yet think that consuming public has picked it up, but I think they will. Yeah, cool. Yeah,
0: and I think you know, social brand—it's amazing. I, I, I was just—I was looking at the, one of the midday squares TikTok videos. It's at, it's, it's almost at like ten million views, or between the two videos, I got ten million views. Which are just how many eyes can you bring to a brand that, that consumers are that want to buy the product before it's even on the shelf and the local retailer? Buy them. It's like pent up demand for it, and and I think and I've been talking about it for the last couple of years because I've been you know involved as a shareholder and 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 now growth advisor for throughout that time. And I just don't, I saw it early, like this, we're in the attention economy. We know that if you can grab people by storytelling and and really just sharing what's going on, both from a business standpoint, and the challenges of a business, um, but also, you know, as an entrepreneur growing up, like it's the same thing of why reality TV became like the only thing that's really growing and popular on TV, right. Over the last decade or two. And, and uh, there's some key learnings there for sure. I think that is the, uh, that is the way you don't really need more than, uh, an iPhone and, uh, and, and a little bit of time thinking about, Hey, what, who am I and what story am I sharing? That's authentically me. And then I'm just going to go out there and kind of capture it and share it.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think you need, you know, all of those things, but you, you not just who am I, but, but you know, you need that energy and you need the creativity and you need to be open. It's, it's a bit harder. I'm almost 50. And you need to be open to the idea that, that, you know, the way to market has changed and now you have to embrace it and and we've talked offline and on that you know a few occasions about that you know i still have to wrap my head around sharing my life with the world and and i'm starting to but i'm not doing a great job of it you're doing a great job on linkedin and 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 some of those guys are doing you know incredible work and it yeah it's just a matter of understanding you know i guess as you said being open to change and being open to you know, understanding the world's a little different now. and And if you want to really build a successful brand, you have to have a strong social presence,
0: yeah, and no, I appreciate that. and and I uh, you know, i've I've said this before, but I'd say it here just for everyone's benefit. like i I just reframed it in my head of thinking about LinkedIn or social media as a twenty four seven trade show. So some of the same things I do at a trade show, I do on LinkedIn. I, I, I share what's going on with me recently. I share I share the new things that I'm working on. I go and high five uh, people for their new product launches or say hi to friends or congratulate people on awards. And, and so it really helped me just think like, hey, if I'm going to put a half an hour, an hour a day into connecting and you know sharing about myself, but also uh, connecting with uh, my friends and family and new friends uh, out there started thinking about it like that. So I encourage entrepreneurs because, you know, everyone understands a trade show. We all go there and like show up for a whole weekend and we spend like 25 hours there and, uh, and, and, and move a lot of business and move a lot of entrepreneurship forward for like three, four, five, six months. Well, you can just take little bite-sized pieces of that every single day. And, and, uh, and it's, and it's not too much different, uh, you know. And that's, that's a mindset
1: shift. I mean, I I love trade shows, as you know, I love seeing people. I love meeting people and I love trade shows, but now I have to, the mindset shift of, of doing that on a daily basis or you know, half daily, you know, whatever it might be, is a mindset shift. It's not something I'm, I'm uncomfortable with. I just have to make, make the change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say the same thing to you and as, as other founders, like, you know, uh, yeah, it is, you know, it's a success mindset first to capture it and then, and then turn it into uh turn it into a system and, and do some training. You know, there's some, there's some great uh, low cost course. There's obviously peer groups around it. And, and I think it just is the future for entrepreneurship. So, and you're not sitting on the sidelines because you have been building community and you're out there, but some people are still even, even more, they're just sitting on the sidelines and they're, and they're not ready to kind of jump into the uh, the conversation, but it's so rewarding when you do, you you know, especially after a year or after two years or after three years. And, you know, we're, we're playing the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 year entrepreneurship game is the way to kind of really win. So um, awesome, Matt. Well, I uh, I appreciate the conversation. If uh, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, what is LinkedIn there? Yeah, or what's, what's yeah.
1: yeah. Email is the, probably the best. Um, Matt, M-A-T-T-V-T at C, letter C, number four, funds with an S dot com. Uh, that's probably the best way. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a bit bigger social media presence. So it's probably through social media one day, but right now it's probably. You know. Cool.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And we can, uh, we can share that. Anything else that you wanted to say before we, uh, we close off?
1: No, no, I think, I mean, I, I, I really happy that you brought me on. Thank you very much. I appreciate, I really always happy to share the story and, and, um, you know, I think for entrepreneurs, if you're an entrepreneur that that's watching this and listening to this, then, uh, you know, understand that we all go through ups and downs and it's it is not an easy journey but there's a big community there to support you and and uh, you know I've, I've needed that community on many occasions and and happy to give back to that community so like you if uh, you know if if people need need my time I've got some time to to, to spare to uh, to help people along it's a, it's a tough journey but it's very rewarding at times.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, thanks for sharing. I value the uh, the time spent. My best to you.
1: Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, I
0: hope. Thank you for listening to the Founder to Mentor podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out the links and resources in the show notes. You can help the show, please, by subscribing and leaving a positive review. As always, feel free to get in touch with me on social at Mike Fada. That's it for now. See you next time.